Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, back in New York, but I've got a whole team of co-hosts and uh, even a special celebrity guest bracelet winner on the podcast with us today. First off, let me introduce a man who actually needs no introduction. He is, I believe last time I called him the Big Cheese or the Head Honcho at TPE. Welcome, Derek Killingbird Tenbush. Derek, how are you? What's up? What's up? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So Derek's in the house, and normally that would be enough, but no. No, this week we also have old school OG uh, TPE personality himself, who is now uh, you know crushing the uh, DFS scene and whatever else. But you guys know Mark, Mark Alioto. What's up, Mark? Happy to be here. What's up? What's up, TPE Nation? And uh, save our guest of honor for for last. He was just on the podcast like probably about a month ago. And uh, he gave everyone some excellent advice on how to get a diamond card on the cheap. Uh, I'm I'm interested to find out if he's still as nitty after his six-figure score and bracelet, by the way, in the uh, World Series of Poker online the other day. You guys know the formerly homeless poker player, <laughs> Carlos Welch. Carlos, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be here. Have you gotten any sleep since you won your bracelet? A little bit, a little bit, not much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Derek, you know that Carlos is uh, a TPE like success story. So what do you want to say to him right now, knowing that he's the first one of the four of us to win anything? Well, first of all, I have to apologize to the man because uh, I had gone to bed early that night. Mark actually, I woke up to use the bathroom at like 2 in the morning, and Mark had texted me, and he said, He's like, dude, Los has a real opportunity to win a bracelet. He's like 15 of 30 or whatever. So I opened up the Twitch stream and I started watching and I, I posted a couple of chats in there and, and I think Carlos saw him and he responded. And I, I watched and watched and the next thing I knew, I woke up with my phone laying next to my head <laughs> and the sun was out. And I, I kind of had this weird feeling like I was going to open up my phone and see that he had won. Um, but there was part of it that was like, fuck, if he won, I missed it. And that's kind of a bummer. Uh, but anyway, I opened up my phone and sure enough, like I had you know, like 27 notifications <laughs> on my phone from various people <laughs> saying he had won. And I'm like, I can't believe I missed it. But I was so, so uh, incredibly happy. And uh, I know Mark felt the same way. <laughs> yeah, Mark, what do you think? I mean, Carlos is like kind of the original uh, guy that everybody loves to root for. You know, he came from nothing. He started from the bottom. Now he's here. Right. So <laughs> what are your thoughts, Mark? Well, the first thing that came to my mind, I was like, is he still going to want to go to Fat Burger with me and get an Oreo milkshake? Because <laughs> he might be too high class now where he wants to go like somewhere hell of expensive. I don't know. Hey, um, hey, 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 let me let me interrupt right here. Go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm two minutes late for the podcast because I stopped that Fat Burger on the way. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, the, and the reason I stopped that Fat Burger, I, was, I actually went to FedEx and I was driving back. And I had plenty of time to get back, 
But then I thought to myself, yeah, I'm going to get to talk to Mark today. And then when I pictured Mark, I thought about <laughs> Fat Burger. That's so, that's so bad. <laughs> but I love it. And I said, I have to stop, I have to stop at Fat Burger just for Mark. So that's why I'm late. <laughs> In all seriousness, no, like if it wasn't me out of my own selfish greed, uh, you'd be right up there for the one person I would want to brace to win a bracelet. So, uh, yeah, I haven't even talked to you in like a year, year and a half, something like that. Congratulations, bro. And yeah, it was, I fell asleep too. I'm guilty. I was watching <laughs> it, but like 3am hit and I was like out and I randomly woke up at five and I checked Twitter and I was like, holy shit, he, he did it. Like he did it. And like, I literally just had the biggest smile on my face, bro. I'm so happy for you. I appreciate that, man. Thank you, man. You guys are awesome. <laughs> it's so crazy because we, uh, you know, we, I mean, the TP family and Carlos uh, being a part of it goes back like so far, you know, like it just seems like it's been so long. Um, and Carlos was always kind of the one that like in a lot of ways worked harder than <laughs> many of the rest of us, you know, like he was... <laughs> well, hey, Carlos, don't get me wrong. He works. He, Carlos works hard. Don't get me wrong, but I I don't know. I worked pretty hard too. I, I oh, did. Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I did. No doubt. I, well, I agree like, with he, does, he, he he like I'm not gonna take away anything from him. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying, though, Derek. I, I agree, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, no, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, it, it was just I feel like with Carlos, it was always like kind of nonstop. You know, like he was just always looking for the next tournament to go play, studying, listening to podcasts, reading. Um, you know, just getting involved in the industry and starting the Twitch stream. And, like, he was just always kind of at it, you know, whereas and, I, I, yeah. I took lots of breaks. <laughs> and he, he, he lasted longer than all of us. I mean, he's still in it. Um, and, yeah, Carlos, you know, especially in Vegas, like, tournament would end. He'd be going to fucking downtown Vegas to play in the Binion, whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, it's all heart and dedication, bro. It, it's no shocker you did get. Uh, dude, I wanted you to win that second, like a couple. Was it two nights later? That was insane, too. Oh yeah, that that would have been a hell of a story. Um, I had <laughs> yeah. a deep run, uh, so I I won the bracelet. I took the next night off, and then the next tournament I played was a bracelet event, and I got thirty first out of like a thousand runners. So yeah, that would have been a great story as well. That would have. Now I was watching um, the Jeff Platt stream when there was maybe like thirty. I guess there were maybe like 36 players left, and um, you know Carlos, uh, it caught my attention. He tweeted out something like, "Hey guys, for some reason I'm on the featured table for the first time ever on the WSOP stream or something like that." Kind of like you know his typical sort of self-deprecating sense of humor, like you know for some reason they're showing me on there. You know that's just Carlos for you. And then you know I watched for a little bit, but you know there was a long way to go. Like that might not sound like a lot, but 36 players. Like, you know, you still only have, and he didn't have that many chips at that point. So, like, he still only has, like, at best, like, a 35 to 1 chance of winning the bracelet from there. So, I was like, oh, man, good luck, Carlos. I'm going to bed. And then I wake up to all the, you know, like you said, Derek, all the all the notifications. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, we're all just, you know, super happy. Now, for those who don't know, you know, Carlos kind of began. Carlos, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I know, you basically began your poker career uh, playing you know, sh- small stakes sit and goes, and eventually wanted to learn more about MTTs, and that's what brought you to TPE. So far, so good. 
Yeah, um, I started with Sit and Goes around 2004, and I grinded those up until um, just before Black Friday. And then I started moving to multi-table sit and goes, 18 mans, 45 mans, 180-mans. And then by the time I got to 180-mans, somebody mentioned to me, uh, Buffy Slayer, shout out to Buffy Slayer, mentioned to me, like, if, you, if you're playing 180-mans, uh, you should check out this new training site, TPE, because, you know, these are basically tournaments anyway. So that's when I got started with TPE, which was um, – Right around um, the beginning, I want to say a few months after TPE started in, in 2010. Yeah. Now, what you're known for, among other things, is like being kind of the ultimate nit. You know, I've heard you on other podcasts, and we even talked on this one about how you had a sort of a, a such a, a passion for saving every penny like you were into like you know driving in such a way that doesn't use as much gas or you know you at this point your stories are kind of legendary how you lived like in an office space for a number <laughs> for a number yeah. of months and you know of course the nitmobile which was the car that you were living out of um but the last time we talked you were moving into and living at the rio and i remember joking like you were saying that the rio is like the lap of luxury when a lot of poker players kind of like to denigrate the Leo, the Rio as not being very luxurious. So one man's trash, <laughs> trash is another man's treasure. Uh, but where are you living now? Did you move up to the wind or something? No, I'm still at the Rio, and I'm looking for ways to further decrease my monthly expenses, not increase them. So, okay, so you're not going to let this money change who you are fundamentally, the ultimate net? Definitely not. If anything, I'll get cheaper. <laughs> Oh, I don't doubt it. That's awesome. Yeah. Does I the mean, bracelet does the bracelet come with uh with platinum status? It comes with diamond status. Or diamond. But but um what's funny, that was uh, you know, I wanted that forever because I hate resort fees. And um I had this scheme of staying at all these super eights uh, in April, um April and May. And I did that to get the diamond card through the Wyndham promotion that they have. And then the moment I earned a diamond card the hard way, I win a bracelet, and I don't even get a benefit <laughs> from the fact that it comes with the bracelet. <laughs> yeah, so every every bracelet winner gets diamond status for, I believe, one year. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is so cool. So for those who, who don't know, I mean, I know Carlos has been on, like, basically a media tour doing every single podcast because the whole poker community just loves you so much. Um, so we appreciate you making time for us or with our little show here. Um, but, yeah, for those who may not know, um, last week, Carlos won the uh, the 888, right? Yes, the Crazy Eights tournament um, during this um, online version of the World Series this year. Wow, which is amazing. So it was, what, 100 and how much was it that you won? A hundred and twenty-four thousand, roughly yeah. one twenty-five. Now, if you guys know Carlos as we do, him winning one twenty-four k is like me winning five million. Like he is never <laughs> yeah. going to run out of money. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think I'm still living on that twenty-seven k from two thousand fifteen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <of major. laughs> All right. So, uh, Derek, what do you have for him? This is too much. Well, one of the first things I was wondering was like, does this mean like no more teaching and no more? Because I know you were like running up to Oregon to teach or something. And I was like, oh, shit, now I don't have to do anything but play poker. 
um, I have six weeks. In six weeks, I'll be up there working. Oh, wow. Um, so just waiting for the school year to start and waiting for this. So the way they've been doing these online circuit series in addition to the bracelet series, and they've been doing them around like the last two weeks of every month. So I'm going to actually start. So the bracelet series is still going on, but the July circuit series starts in a couple of days. So I'll be playing those two concurrently and then I'll play the ring events at the end of August. And then the school year is going to start at the beginning of September. So I'm going to shoot up dance up for a couple of days until the break, the ring events start at the end of September. Then I'll be back for those. And then you know, I'll be here um, in October when hopefully you guys get to town. Yeah, for That's the so for the live WSOP, the slightly delayed live WSOP. Yeah, I was thinking like in a normal year, if we ever have a normal year again, uh, we would be like wrapping up the World Series of Poker right now. Like as we record it's this so right on July fourteenth. Right. Like I think that was the day that I busted out of the main event. A few Ooh, years ago. Too soon, too soon. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't feel like the World Series should be ending because we're all kind of adjusting to the, the new schedule for this year. And I know a lot of people want it to be every fall, but I don't know. I like being in Vegas in the summer because I'm weird. I like I like heat, so I'm all about it. I'm the only one. I know. I know I'm weird like that. Um, as long as I can still go in the pool, I'm happy. Yeah, right? Yeah, there's air conditioning. There's pools. It's all good. I got a couple questions for Carlos, if go. I can ask Clayton. Yeah, go, go. So, Carlos, it's been a long time. Um, what have you been playing up to this? Uh, I know you're getting coached by a lot of guys, which I was, like, a big proponent on as well. I think getting coached is the best way to get better, uh, along with videos and other stuff like that. But, yeah, fill me in, please. And I'm sure the rest of the TP Nation wants to know, like, what have you been playing bankroll-wise? Um, yeah, I'm really curious, like mostly online for me, but I'm sure everyone else wants to hear the live stuff. Well, I pretty much don't play live anymore. So it's been pretty much all online and it's just, I've basically just worked my way up the stakes on ignition. So maybe the the last time you and I, um, talked, I was probably playing probably like a $50 ABI on ignition. But since that time, they've, um, I, you know, moved up to the 109s and they've started to um, get a decent volume of higher buy-in stuff as well. And so they have a weekly um, um, high roller that's like 300, but then they occasionally do some 500s and I think a thousand is the biggest they go. And so I basically worked my way up that ladder and I'm basically firing everything that runs on ignition. At this point, I'm going to say probably like, uh, either 109s or like 215s and up. So on ignition, my ABI is probably around like 200 now, roughly on average. And are you playing on any other sites? Uh, ACR. Uh, oh yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, cause you know I'm so curious because I used to know everyone's BB Pro 100 in my stable. Yeah. And ACR okay. is basically like, what are you doing playing on this site? Not okay. not to poo-poo on ACR. It is a really good site, but it's really tough. I smile so hard one day reading your Twitter because I started playing on Bet Online <laughs> and um, nobody really knows my screen name on there, but you saw it 
and you were like, this is the greatest screen name ever, and you had no idea it was me. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if you remember. I, I do, wonder. I do. It, it, uh, Jay Smith posted it. Yeah, that that that's me on Bet Online. Uh, <laughs> well, I, that was the one thing you and I always had in common was like even when Poker Stars was around pre Black Friday, I was already on Carbon and all the poo poo sites, uh, just like winning at like twenty five BB per one hundred while everyone's battling it out for like three or four <laughs> big blinds, like an ROI is like eighty percent while everyone's like so happy with a fifteen percent ROI. I'm like, okay, you guys go ahead and glory chase. It's why it's like so perfect that you want to brace it because you are so <laughs> anti glory hunting. Um, yes. You're just like, let me grind on Bavada. Nobody knows my name. I don't want any recognition. I mean, that's why your story could not. It's like a fairy tale, dude. It's like insane. Lives out of his car, wins a bracelet, still <laughs> going to Fat Burger. Thank God. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Ace, you're on Bet Online, Bavada. Uh- Bet online Bovada. I don't play on ACR anymore. Um, At all. Zero. No, no. You know what? So I stopped playing on ACR a couple of years ago just because it was just like way tougher than ignition. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, even honestly, even the highest stakes on on ignition are softer than like, you know, some of the low stakes stuff. Oh, God. You but do they- not want to be saying this right now. I'm sorry I asked you this. I know <laughs> yeah, you. I, I, you don't want anyone to know this. You know, this is like this is me in a nutshell. I do this every year. <laughs> I always, I always publicize this stuff, and then all of a sudden it's like it's tougher. You remember ACR used to be really soft, yeah. <laughs> until, yeah. until you know, I started doing stuff like this and others. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so that's where I'm playing. And um, um, as I've you know improved, maybe I'll dip my toe back in the ACR waters, but it's hard. It's hard to um, to uh, justify playing against better players for low stakes when you can play against weaker players for higher stakes. It's impossible uh, to justify, <laughs> right? Yes. Small smaller fields, so lower variance. I had a joke. Preach, um, preach. Yeah, I, I had a joke on Twitter the other day, which is got. I can't remember if I. I think I put this up um, before I won the bracelet. Actually, this was a DM. I was DM, DM, DMing with the friend before I won the bracelet, and I said something to the effect of, "These bracelets are like uh, cheese on a mouse trap." Um, meanwhile, the uh, Barney Fife is guarding the door to the Velveeta factory. Uh, you know, basically comparing you know these WSOP events events to uh, ignition. And I was and I was kind of questioning, like, why am I doing this? But partly part of the reason is because this past month, Ignition has been experimenting with running like all PKO tournaments. And I don't want to play that. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll play on WSOP this month. But I was looking forward to, you know, last month ending so I can get back onto Ignition. Uh, But I looked at the schedule they're still mixing in some PKOs, man. It's like I guess most people like that format, but I just rather play a regular old tournament. Uh-huh. Well, Derek, See we ya. know how I feel about the PKO format. I'm all about it, man. That's like that's my jam right there. I love PKOs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard episodes where you talk about that. 
Yeah. Oh, thanks for listening, man. I'm, I'm sure you won't listen anymore now that you're a big time <laughs> winner, superstar. He's going to be on every podcast. Yeah, he's not going to listen to anything. <laughs> so does this so, change your plans for the World Series, Carlos? Like, are you going to play more live now? No. Um, the only thing that <laughs> I... just shot I, it down. I know. Yeah. Yeah, the only the only thing I plan on playing during the uh, live WSP this year is the bracelet event. No, I was an idiot. Uh, the tag team event. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, what you said though, like you have a recipe. Like your recipe is what other people should clone. It's how you make money. It's how you get to where you are. Is the sit and goes to 180 mans and then like, Oh, tournaments. Like I'm going to try these out. And I mean, you put yourself in this spot because of like your progression, how hard you worked. And like, that's what other people need to know. Like other people are just like, Oh, uh, TPE members, you know, casual players like, Oh, I'm going to play on ACR. They have the boom tacular $1 million event. <laughs> it's like, bro, there's 90 people multi-accounting on there, VPNing from all over the world. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not soft. Like, uh, not to say other sites that aren't VPNing and stuff, but and, yeah, and I think it's so the, cool, man. Oh. The field sizes are, are crazy. Um, that was one of the things that I think helped me coming up on Ignition because at least up until the pandemic hit, their field, field sizes were generally um, pretty uh, doable. Uh, but it got crazy uh, right at the beginning of last year during the pandemic. It's kind of like getting back to where it was but not completely so um a lot of players prefer bigger fields i like smaller fields man let me ask you this carlos because uh you know i'm listening to everybody just singing your praises about how good you are at game selection and like you know being careful about what you play and and really doing everything the right way why the hell did you play the crazy eights I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> I, 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 I was thinking that, and this this is why. So, um, one thing we haven't mentioned is like in the um, last couple of years, like starting around 2017, uh, I started doing coaching. Um, so I, I picked up some coaching students, um, and you know, a couple of years ago, I guess it might have just been one year ago now. Uh, one of the guys who came to me for coaching, surprisingly, was Andrew Brokus, uh, who was my coach. <laughs> and like I mentioned, during the pandemic, uh, because people couldn't play live anymore, all the live players started to come back online and the fields kind of skyrocketed. And Andrew was one of those players. And the past couple of years before that, with him being a live player, I had more experience playing online, especially in uh, small and medium stakes tournaments than he did. And so he came to me to um, um, get coaching on, like, you know, what's working for me in these games, especially since he had just also coming off. Uh, had, he just also come off a writing Play Optimal Poker, which is a book about GTO. So his mindset was all like geared towards battling good players. And then to, you know, jump into, you know, the, the software games online, um, um, he was looking for, like, just how how exploitable are these people? So I uh, did a hand history review for him, and um, we recorded it and made a product out of it to sell on his website, uh, um, Exploiting Small Stakes Tournaments on netcast.com. And so I did that. And then the same stuff that I talked to him in that one about, I worked with 
another TPE pro, Alice Fitzgerald, and basically made another product that was just the same stuff, but in class classroom format as opposed to a hand history. So I say all that, and that one's called um, How to Exploit Small Stakes Tournaments. Uh, how to exploit, how to obliterate passive tournaments, I'm sorry. Um, so the reason I bring all that up is because I don't play live anymore and all my volume has been on ignition, I don't have like a big um, public profile in terms of results. And so in order like that kind of stuff helps with marketing for coaching and selling products. And so I noticed that with all these online WSOP events they've been having, those actually get reported on Hindemob where, you know, you win, you know, the Bavada major Hindemob's not going to report that. So that's why I decided to um, dip my toe in some of these WSOP events. Um, just to kind of like, you know, build up my Hindemar profile and bi- basically build up my pub- public profile as a coach. So you basically took a break from crushing all the fish on ignition and decided, oh, let me just go win a bracelet real quick so I can make more money coaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically, yes. <laughs> I love this guy. Carlos is my favorite of all time. <laughs> All right, what do you guys have to ask him before we hear some of his hands? Because I'm very curious about how he approached these hands after all the time he spends playing against players who basically have no idea what they're doing to go into. I mean, I've I've played on some of these bracelet events. They're not easy, man. It's it's that's a legitimate bracelet he won. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, that's damn impressive. I mean, I guess the only thing I need to know is 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 it cool if uh, me and Mark crash at your house uh, during the World <laughs> Series? We need a couch to sleep on. <laughs> you mean his car? <laughs> <laughs> well, See, yeah, the, the the issue is um, I only stay at the Rio when the um, rooms are cheap, and they're not going to be cheap in October. During the main event <laughs> and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So right now I'm getting rooms sometimes like 11 bucks a night. Um, and I would say on average it's probably around like 20 bucks a night, you know, everything included. But that's probably going to be around 150 um, during the uh, World Series. So I'll be back in my car then. So if you want to take the passenger seat, uh, Mark, take the. If you got a baby uh, seat, you got a baby seat. I can fit in that. Yeah, yeah, car seat in the back. Yeah. Mark Mark takes the car, the cup holder. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off. You can't big dog me. You can't big dog me, Carlos. (laughs) I'm also like fairly sure that like in all the days of us sitting around the pool and stuff in the back of the TV house and just talking. We would always have these like just kind of long conversations about like, you know, about winning bracelets or like, would you want to, or, you know, what would you do if you won? I'm sure there was some sort of like, whoever wins one first has to do X, Y, or Z, but I don't remember. So I can't really enforce it. (laughs) Yeah. I I can make one up real quick. (laughs) (laughs) There's a really good chance that if that was the case, I wouldn't involved in that conversation. Because you remember, for a long time, I was not interested in playing bracelet events. The only reason I'm interested this time is because they've been, you know, moved online. And, you know, that's kind of my wheelhouse. So, like I said, when the series starts this year, just because I won, I'm not going to be firing all the live bracelet events. It's like, um, that still is not something that's enjoyable to me. Yeah. But the tag team you're going to play. Yeah, I'm going to play the tag team probably uh, with Andrew Brokus. And that one, you know, is just 
it's it's too fun not to play. Yeah, it's a blast. <laughs> I remember we the three of us played it. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah, that was such a great time, man. Such a great time. Yeah, but he dropped you guys for Andrew, and I don't blame him. <laughs> Neither do I. I don't either. <laughs> hey, I dropped both of them in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, if I could have Andrew as my partner, I would play every time. Carlos has seen my Twitch stream. He knows what he's getting into. He knows. He knows. All right, Mark, did you have anything else for Carlos before we start doing some strategy? I do, but let's get into the strategy. I'll, maybe right. I'll ask. Yeah. Well, let me let me let me jump in here really quick. Um, my my main reason for a wanting to do this episode and bringing you guys on is I wanted to kind of like this may be not doable in the interest of time, but that that blog I made on Terman Poker Edge. When I just got started in 2013, I kind of just wanted to like go through some of those old posts and reminisce to kind of just see my progression from the beginning to to where I am now. Um, I don't know if that's something we can do, but definitely we should do that. That's that's a great way to kind of look back on, uh, you know, from where you started in the in the early days at TPE and how your you know your your knowledge of the game and your expertise have have come along. I think that would lead us well into strategy. Maybe not every single post, of course, but you know, pick a few right. highlights. Why not? Let's just start with the first one. And so there was so there's this um section of the forums on TPE called Poker Goals and Challenges. And uh, guys go in there and they'll make a post saying like, you know, what they plan on doing. And they're going to, like, update as they um, progress through this goal. And I saw a lot of people doing that, um, but most people did not stick to it. Um, They did did it for a couple of months and, like, lost interest or whatever. But I was really determined that I was going to keep this thing updated. And so, um, like I said, I started with TPE in 2010 uh, when the company started. But I left right after Black Friday because I thought poker was over. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, remain a member of a training site if I can't play poker. But I came back like a year later when, like Mark said, these other sites started pop up, popping up like uh, Merge. So when I realized that online poker wasn't over, I came back to TPE, which was like um, the end of 2012. And then the beginning of 2013 is when I started this. So this is January 2nd, 2013. My post in the um, Poker Goals Challenge, Poker Goals and Challenges um, um, forum. So first of all, I can't even say this without rolling my eyes. But the title of it is Loxies First Professional <laughs> Poker Year 2013. So, so Loxy was my Pokestar screen name, and it's L O X X I I. And when I made it, it's like a combination of my nickname. So my name is Carlos. My nickname is Low, and the uh, my football number written in um, uh, um, Roman numerals. So X X I. I never meant for anybody to pronounce this. So when I heard people say it, I was like, Oh, that sounds like a girl's name. So I hate I hate I hate that name now, but but that was the name of the um thread, so I would read it. So basically the first section is poker history. 
says, I've been a member for over a year, but I'm just now starting to use the forum. I started playing in 2003 and moved to online in 2005. I began at Nine Man Sitting Goes, moved to Multi Table Sitting Goes, which is when I signed up for TPE, and now I'm playing MTTs on Merch. I've played a little live cash and even less online cash. Overall, I've been profitable, but I was an eighth grade math teacher in Atlanta for the last five years, and I have come back around to trying to do MTTs to eke out a small living, two to three K monthly. Uh, my expenses are actually less than that now. Um, to supplement my other um, streams of income, I am single with no kids and I live very cheaply, so I'm very comfortable with this. <laughs> so, so that that was my original uh, intro uh, to this um, blog, and then the goals were a yearly profit of at least 30k. Um, play five days a week, 10 to 15 tournaments a day. I'm rolled for games up to $11, but I will mostly play $5 games and lower to start out <laughs> um, <laughs> and play satellites to um, take shots at bigger games. I may also play some small stakes and live cash to improve my post flop game. I'm actively, uh, I want to actively improve my game by watching videos, which I did on Tournament Poker Edge. Discussing and posting hands in the forums, which I did in this forum, and also reviewing my own game. Um, another goal I had is to spend the summer in Vegas to grind small satellites and play at least one real $1,000 WSOP event. <laughs> <laughs> and then possibly play some smaller events at casinos in the South. And so those were the goals. I updated it every week. And that first update, it was like, you know, me talking about grinding $2 tournaments. Yeah. And six months after that, well, four months after that, I went to Cherokee to play live. And that's where I met Killing Bird in person for the first time. And then two months after that, I went to WSOP in uh, 2013. That's when I met Mark and all the rest of the guys. And they embraced me like family. And I, I think I probably said this on the podcast before, but um, if not, I'm going to say it again because it's worth repeating. I remember being at the um, at the Rio, and um, uh, like meeting up with the guys at the Rio, talking and whatnot. And then like afterwards, I'm expecting to go back to my room. They go their way, but they're like, "No, we headed to the um, TP house. You want to come?" And so I was like, uh, "Do I?" <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it was like it was so funny. First of all. Uh, they had a rental car. It was Mark, Killenberg, Big Dog. Um, was Diego maybe, there? Maybe Danny. Maybe I think maybe Diego was there. But you had a rental car, and all you guys were, like, packed in a rental car. And I, like, squeezed in the trunk part of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Where the luggage goes. You guys remember that? Yeah. And, and I love I loved that. Before this, I was a you know uh, frequent listener of the the TPE podcast, which all those guys used to host. So I'm riding in this car and just listening to these guys talk, and I'm like, "Fuck, this is like the podcast. It's like TPE live, but live." <laughs> I'm in the trunk. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like I'm in the trunk listening to a live podcast with you know all these guys I know from online. But this is my favorite part. We get to the house. 
uh, we hang out for a while. It's getting late. So I'm thinking, well, uh, yeah, I probably should get back to my room. And they're like, no, you can crash. Just crash on the couch. And I was like, oh, this is great. I crashed on the couch, Clayton. The next day, um, all of these guys wake up before me. Oh, they wake up and they say, hey, we're all playing WSOP bracelet events. Uh, we'll be back later. I was like, oh, they're just going to leave me in this house by myself? <laughs> they trusted the, you. The thought that went through my mind was like, man, these white folks trying to set me up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to show their ass. I ain't touching. It's probably so much money in that house and all those rooms. There's TVs and stuff. And I was like, I ain't touching shit. I'm not moving off this couch. It, it definitely wasn't like that at all. But you got to keep in mind, I just met these guys in person for the first time. But like the, the way they embraced me like family and just like took me in. And like you say, Clayton had that trust for me. It was like, it's nothing. It's something I'll never forget. Oh, that's such a great story. I mean, I, I love that you were so happy to be in the trunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I wasn't, I mean, I'm bigger. I'm a bigger person now, but I wasn't a small person then, but well, it was, think of the it, average weight in that car. Carlos. <laughs> the average weight in that car. I mean, Casey, Danny, me, Derek, and you, that's like 400 pounds average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, not that some, much. Not that much. Some, some stress on the struts for sure. Right. <laughs> right. Do you yeah, guys remember is, that, is, Derek? Do you remember the story he's telling? Oh yeah, totally. I, I very clearly remember him riding in the like the hatchback area of the car for sure. Um, and yeah, that was that was when I was reading through his thread. I had tweeted out that I was reading that thread. And um, that was the part that made me smile was when I got to the post where he says something about like, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to North Carolina for this circuit event and I get to meet KB. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> like, it didn't seem weird at the time, I guess. But now in hindsight, you know, now, I mean, I, you know, spent eight summers or whatever in Vegas, you know, with Carlos being a pretty big, uh, you know, fixture in those summers. Um, I mean, he stayed at my house for a few nights. Uh, I traveled down to Georgia and visited him. So it seems so weird to read it now. <laughs> but at the time, it probably made complete sense, you know. Well, Derek, now, we not- were talking about going to Cherokee again this year. Maybe we should all plan on uh, reliving those glory days, go back to Cherokee and, and, and see how scared they are of a bracelet winner walking in the <laughs> yeah. door. Well, unfortunately, they don't... Uh... They don't uh, have a live series or an internet series that he can play up yeah. out there, so he won't he won't have any fun. <laughs> yeah, I know I know he ain't gonna go back and grind those sit and goes at Cherokee. No, again. I don't think so. <laughs> I might, you know. He might. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> you, you never know. Um, the thing I'm most looking forward to about the World Series this year, even though I li- I don't like playing live, I love railing these guys live. So I'll definitely be there on everybody's rail and their deep runs or hell, even day ones, uh, just there helping them out the best way I can and just just being a fan. Yeah, well, when I was going deep in the main that year, uh, I remember seeing your smiling face on the sidelines. Just, <laughs> I mean, I tell you, it gave me strength. Like you're on day six of the main event. You're tired, man. And just like knowing that somebody else besides you cares about the outcome means a lot. It really does. Yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm looking forward to the World Series this year. All right. Well, hopefully we'll give you plenty of things to sweat. <laughs> I hope we have a lot of sweating <laughs> for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Carlos, did you have any other posts that you wanted to share, um, you know, from the old blog to kind of walk down memory lane a little bit? 
Okay, so let me just um, so I remember so so week one. So this is man, this is so fun reminiscing like this. So at the end of week one, my first year as a professional player, quote unquote professional, um, I played fifty nine games. I had twelve caches and a $245 profit. And I thought that was just the best shit ever. <laughs> uh, and I always, oh, <laughs> I'm remembering this as I see it. Uh, I always did a, a recap of the week, and I did, like, a good, a bad, and the ugly. And, um, you know, basically, obviously, the bad was just, like, some bad beat stories and shit. Uh, let's see the good. So, so here's the good for that first week. Um, I watch Killing Birds Stick It to the Man series, and I'm playing on another level now. I'm targeting people that fold too much and raising their blind regardless of my hand. I'm fighting back by three betting people who raise mine too much. Um, quote, in parentheses, I'm not doing this enough, though. Um, consider some alternate uh, c- consider, ah, consider some alternate lines on the forum and posted them in my aha moments thread. So apparently I had, oh, I remember that. I had another thread where I was like, hey, like this is where we should like share our aha moments as we get better. Um, I really like I, I really like that. I watched some of Mark's uh, vids on Don's to help me with satellites. Don's are double or nothing singles. Uh, I also watched Mike Leah, Hurricane Jeff, and a ton of big dog videos. Uh, most of my bust outs were me losing on the good side of a flip for 30 to 40 bigs instead of the ones I used to lose on the bad side for 10 to 20 bigs. So that was the first good version of the update in the block. Like, this is so fun. If you ever have time um, for the listeners, if you just want to just read this thing from um, beginning to end, I highly recommend it. I've done it multiple times, and it's so cool kind of reading it almost as an outsider i know it was me but it just it's such it's such a great like like underdog story like like really clayton you put it perfectly at the beginning like you know coming uh starting from nothing um like i was playing two dollar tournaments yeah i was playing two dollar tournaments at the beginning of this thing and i was excited about a weekly profit of 245 and then by the middle um I'm in Vegas hanging out with these guys. So, yeah, that's well, here's the old thing. Hand. Here's the thing. Why you're my favorite, or at least one of my favorite, maybe my favorite uh, TPE success stories, is that you didn't just buy a TPE membership. You used it. You used yes. it the way it's meant to be used. I mean, you not only just like read the hands that were in the forums, you posted hands to the forums. You asked questions. You watched all the videos, got different opinions, like... I mean that's the way um, a coaching site is supposed to interact with the uh, the player, the customer, right? And the way that you work the system. And I mean I know you probably picked it and it was probably even recommended to you because compared to other sites, ours is super cheap <laughs> and you're super cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but then you end up finding out that we actually have so much incredible information. Um, and you know we had a lot of the players you you named already are you know still to this day some of the best in the game as far as playing and coaching so to me what makes it great is the way that you worked the site the way it's meant to be worked and got maximum value obviously for uh you know for the small amount that you were paying to belong what i what i always say is the difference about the difference between the difference between tpe 
and a lot of the other training sites I used at that time, like um, Car Runners and uh, like Two Plus Two isn't like a video site, but it's um, you know another site that helped me get better in the beginning. It was like these guys interacted with you. Like you would go in the forums, like you know we would respond back and forth, and like even before I met them in person, I was kind of already making friends with them, and so it's cool to it's, it's easier to learn watching a video from your friend because like it's a familiar voice, it's a voice you want to hear as opposed to some like you know college professor um, that's droning on and, and making you fall asleep. Um, um, like some of the car runner videos, like. You know, I would I would learn from some of those guys, but like I never met them. I never talked to them in person. So after a while, that kind of student teacher relationship kind of went away. And as a teacher, a, a math teacher, one of the things that I was always taught um, was students don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And that was the wow. TPE edge um, and, and, you know, helping me get better because I knew these guys cared about whether or not I got better or not. It wasn't just, you know, selling memberships. That is a great quote. I, I'm going to never forget that quote. That is great. Yeah. Think about The best thing about this thread, and I didn't know it until just now <laughs> when I logged back in, is is that Carlos found the pool photo of him <laughs> with the life jacket on. I had, <laughs> I had posted in the thread and said, and said, oh, so, you know, congratulations. I said, it's times like this where I, I wish I had the picture of you floating in the pool with the floaties. Oh, do I have the floaties pic? I may have that somewhere. I'm sure I didn't lose that one. I, it's one of those ones you hide somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. Bracelet winner card. <laughs> I, I should tweet that. I hope I can find it. People that don't know what he's talking about, one of the summers when we were hanging at the TPE house, that which has a pool in the back, um, uh, these guys were having fun. It must. It, it couldn't have been the first summer, but the first summer I was with them, they were all having fun swimming in the pool. I can't swim. Uh, a lot of black people can't swim, and I'm one of, one of them. And so I'm in this pool. I mean, I'm like, you know, sitting on the edge. I'm scared as hell. And like, you know, they're joking like, oh, just try it, man. I was like, no, y'all not going to kill me out here. <laughs> and the next year I came, I actually, I bought, I bought a life jacket. Um, to sit in the hot tub with these guys. <laughs> you were so loving that's, life. You were loving life. Yeah, too. Let's be clear. Yeah. So, so, so the next summer, I brought a life jacket uh, to the TPE house so that I could hang out in the pool. And it was, it was pretty cool, but they took a picture of it, and it's hilarious. It's definitely on Twitter, that picture I, I, of Flutters. I, I posted it to this, to this um, thread because KB asked for it, at the end, first of all, this thread was updated weekly from the beginning of January, the beginning of 2013 to the end of 2013. And that was like the purpose of it. It was to document my first year. And then I didn't really do anything with the thread after that. But since then, when I won the bracelet, I came in. I'm trying to get to the end so I can see the dates on this. But I dropped in the date of the I dropped in a link to um, the article of me winning the bracelet. So that was probably like the post, first post in like, you know, eight years of this uh, of this blog. And then KB followed up with I wonder where that um, life jacket picture is. And so I was. <laughs> I responded with the life jacket picture. So it's actually you can you can see that picture as the last um, post in that in the blog. This is so, so good. 
<laughs> Good. No, I think your story is, I mean, it's exactly what most people need to see. Most people, you could watch all, I, I think it was Yevgeny Timoshenko, if I'm remembering his name. He deposited like $50 and like ran it up to like $10 million. I'm like, nobody does that. <laughs> like, that's not how it's done. How it's done is exactly how you did it. Like $245 in a month, probably like a 50% ROI or something like that. Like, I don't know, man, that's so cool. And that, to like, look at that now and see that you have gold on your brace on your, on your wrist. Like that's so sick. Like it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're just so happy about this. I mean, it's great. I mean, I feel like Carlos, if I'm not mistaken, like you're the one who first connected me with Derek. So it's like we're yeah. all family here, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I want to say you came to the TPE house with me one time. That sounds and, right. Uh, and it was just uh, from from there, everybody just connected. So you you had the same experience I had where you you listen to these guys forever and you know them from online, but you don't know them in person. But then when you meet them in person is they treat you like you grew up with them. Yeah, the way you keep using the word family, I mean, that's yeah. how I felt uh, since I first got involved with TPE myself. So, but of course, this podcast episode is not about me. It's about it's about you, Mr. Bracelet Winner. So, uh, <laughs> let's get to some strategy. Now that we're almost an hour into this thing, um, well, you I, called it before. We were never going to go under an hour. Yeah, we knew, <laughs> we knew that for sure. But the, I'm sure the listeners are like, we want to hear how he won the bracelet. So, uh, well, first of all, did you bring? I told you, I, I just you know texted Carlos uh, yesterday. I said, I don't know if you've been talking about all of your bracelet hands from that event from uh, from the Crazy Eights tournament on every other podcast in the poker world. So if so, you could tell us a, a hand you played in a different event if you want. But you know, what what did you end up bringing? Well, I definitely have some hands for the bracelet. Yes. I'm gonna, all right. I'm going to drop first. I'm going to drop this in the um, chat for you guys. That, that's the first gift I have for you. Okay, so he just sent us a picture of the of the swimming pool. There he is with the, <laughs> with the flotation the device. Of. Yeah, we have to share that with everyone for sure. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. You look very safe, Carlos. Very safe. That was the first my first trip out there, right? That's the the house. Oh no, that's not. That's not. That's not. That's no. by the Rio. Yeah, yeah. This was like I want to say this is the one that's um around the well i guess they both were kind of close um to the the crazy brazilian lady's house and i would uh uh walk from her place to 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 hang out with you guys but yeah it's like a i mean it must have been like five feet deep so i don't know what the hell i was afraid of but uh, <laughs> i do look pretty safe in that picture very safe <laughs> I, they need to see this picture like yeah, we're gonna Derek, share you gotta post everybody. it when you when you tweet out when you tweet out the podcast let this be yeah in all of those tweets <laughs> for sure it has to yeah okay so so here's one hand this is actually um and maybe one you haven't done on every other podcast would be great we want an exclusive man i'm so rusty yeah, this yeah. is like i'm like scared to talk about <laughs> it like, who's pitching okay. i'm like i'm clicking the link so quick so i can like study big lines uh, like, okay is that the button or the cutoff like it's, it's been a while <laughs> All right, so uh, what we'll do is we can talk through the hand, and um, w once it gets to be Carlos's decision, we will stop and uh, talk about what kind of decision he should make, okay? So in this hand, let's talk about the blinds, maybe like what level of the tournament 
we are at uh, in this hand, Carlos, is on the button, and the blinds are 500 and 1,000 with uh, some kind of ante mixed in. Um, they don't do big blind ante um, in these type of bracelet events because it's online, so each player does chip in a little something for the ante, um, something like 125-ish or something, I guess. It's um, 250. This oh, it's 250. Think, right? Okay, cool. All right. Well, yeah, there it is. No, 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 no. I think you're right. 125. My bad. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, yeah, 125 is the ante. So, it's 501K with uh, 125 ante. We are at a table that only has eight players. It's the Crazy Eights tournament. That's why. <laughs> uh, we're on the button holding the uh, five of diamonds, six of diamonds, and the action folds to us. The small blind has about 14k and the big blind has 29k and we have them both well covered so um this is a just you have to open right guys i mean would would the fact that the small blind is so short ever make you consider not opening first question what do you think derek no i think i'm still opening here um i mean we can very comfortably just raise and if if i think if the small blind does anything it's probably gonna be a jam or at least a committing raise so we can just easily fold yeah we'd have to if he if he if he gets aggressive with his stack we can't afford to stay in with with uh with the six five anymore um carlos can you tell us anything about your your the blinds here like what are your opponents like yeah so the guy in the small blind is a regular um usually when i'm playing on ignition if I say someone's a regular, that means they're they're on my level, which is probably like the top level on that site. But on this site, I have to make a distinction between regulars that are on my level and like Ms. Rocky, who I had to play against yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so I have I have different color codes for uh, like the elite players and the regular regs. This guy, in my opinion, is like a regular reg. Yeah, he's been around forever. I, I recognize him. Sorry to cut you off, which is weird yeah. for me. I'm like, how? You know okay. that name. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. He, I think I know him, too. Guy. Yeah, I think he yeah. used to be in the same stable as me. <laughs> I, I, you know what, Derek? I think he was with Shane. Yeah. He's okay. been around for a while, so I know that screen name. The guy in the big blind is a complete unknown. Okay. Now, this is too early to be in the money, right? We're not in the money yet? No. Okay. Um, but registration is probably closed by this point, right? Um, if it's not closed, it will be closing in the next level or two. Okay. So, so it's that's, getting... Yeah. All right. So that's like kind of the stage of the tournament that we're at. So we all agree to open. Um, I don't I, I don't really usually vary my raise sizing too much. Like if I'm opening, I'm just going to open the same amount. Um, you know, Carlos chose a 2X. I think that's fine especially because we do have to fold to the uh, small blind shove, right, Mark? Yeah. yeah. The other option is limping, but I, I prefer open as well. Yeah, I do. I do. I was going to, um, uh, in fact, like Mark was one of the first people that, um, you know, talked about this back in the day before, before solvers started to confirm it, is that you can do a decent amount of limping uh, when stacks start to get shallow. But just in my study with solve over the past couple of uh, months it's been it's mostly when stacks are around um 15 bigs so even though the small blind and see i don't know this could be a mistake i'm making i've never gotten a good answer to this question i know if 
I have 15 bigs. I will have a pretty big limping range here as, you know, in terms of um, um, GTO. But if I'm the big stack and there's a 15 big blind effective stack, but then there's another guy who's also a bigger stack, like how do you decide, like, um, which stack size you should open, uh, you know, relative to? So one thing that I've just kind of done on my own, which, I again, I don't know if it's correct or not. I just kind of like take an average of the two players. And so on average, those two guys have 20 bigs. So off of 20 big blind stacks, I'm never limping here. I'm just going to go ahead and open. But if both of those guys have 15, this is a hand I would limp. Mm. Interesting. Or right. jam. If they both had 15, jamming would be okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think jamming might be especially if they call, if they call too tight, which most people do, then you especially, can't explore the jam. Especially knowing Waddles like will rejam like correct. Jamming if they both had fifteen might be the play. Whatever, we're not in that situation. Uh, limping's kinda cool here because if the big blind does he's not he's not gonna if like small blind folds, you can still call and be in position with a good hand. But I mean, overall I'm going to be opening here same sizing as so well. mark you're saying if we limp here and the small blind folds and the big blind decides to raise you can call that raise and play six five in position because the big blind has suited. chips right suited yeah yeah for sure. okay um, yeah i like that actually I, i'm not i don't hate limping here although i probably wouldn't do it um i don't think it's a bad play um yeah especially for that reason that mark just mentioned all right cool but we make it uh just the min raise here. We make it 2K. And uh, only the big blind calls. So the small blind, whose name is Waddles, someone just mentioned. <laughs> Waddles folds. Waddles and, the pig. Yeah, Waddles the pig. <laughs> He's been outed. Uh, so he folds. <laughs> and uh, the big blind calls. So we're going to be heads up. We have the six of diamonds, five of diamonds. And with 5,500 in the middle, the, the flop comes 10 of clubs. Five of spades, five of hearts. So that's how you win a bracelet. <laughs> yes, that definitely helps. All right, so we flop trips. Uh, this is a, certainly an above average flop for our hand. Um, the big blind checks. Now, uh, Derek, you think there's any reason to not see bet here? I mean, uh, we're going to be betting this board a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, I can... I can sort of see some arguments, I guess, for checking back. The biggest one, I guess, being that it's really hard for him to have hit this board because we pretty much have it all of it. Um, but I think we're expected to see Bet here so much that if we think this guy's at all competent, uh, we can kind of expect him to float a decent amount with like two overs or you know maybe a like a pair of sixes or whatever. Um, so I think I'd still go ahead and bet. I'm trying to decide what I would do in terms of sizing because obviously we don't want to lose the guy. I guess the question too is like, what do we do on the turn if we want to start thinking ahead? Like, I would. I guess part of me is thinking like, if we bet, we could either check here and then bet turn, or we can kind of bet here and then check turn. But I don't know if we can do both and get action. You also won't get it all if you don't bet. Well, um, the times he does have something, it's tough for to get it all. No, you're right, Mark. It's probably going to be pretty hard to get it all anyway, um, just because you know the SPR on this flop is around five. It's pretty hard to get that many chips 
in under any circumstances, especially on a flop of ten five five rainbow. I mean, how crazy is this guy going to go? Like, even if he has like an ace ten or mm. whatever, like he's not going to just be willing to put in like you know five times the pot um, without. I think if he has ace ten, he will be getting he would be getting it all in at some point. Yeah, depending okay. on the run out. Yeah, you may be right. You may be right about that. Well, Carlos has so many worse tens in his range that I think he'd have to get it in, especially with nut ten. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Like the SPR is really high. So, but that's another reason why I would bet because like an over jam on the river, I mean, depending on the turn, a lot of turns I would check back. That's not my full plan here is to get it all, but I definitely like betting for everything. Derek said, I think you said it perfectly. Uh, we're C and you agreed. We're C betting everything here. Um, so yeah, I think like, I, I want to have a balance with my air and stuff. Yeah, sorry, Mark. I was just going to say, I think checking is actually more suspicious. It's right. like, wait a minute. Why did Carlos check that <laughs> flop? I mean, come yeah. on. Right? That's, <laughs> like a, that's a flop. That, yeah, he yeah. loves this flop, right? Ace Queen loves the flop. Like, you're going to bet most of your range on, on a flop, on a pair of board like that. It like, kind of screams for a C bet. The only reason to check this back would be if like the guys turn how do i remember this i don't know if the guys turn uh what's it called what's it <laughs> carlos what's it called turn if he just leads is it Pro like bet. yeah versus miss c bet like if his yeah. miss if his lead versus miss c bet is really high uh using a hud you you would want to check it back in fact because like he's susceptible uh he's likely to punt um but yeah i would <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. If he's a really aggressive player, like that, that is something that um, really aggressive players will definitely do, especially on boards where they're more likely to have the nest than you. And maybe this guy uh, could perceive that, given that you know he should have more fives in his range than I do. So maybe he's just gonna go crazy. Because when I check back, my hand looks like you know ace king, ace queen, or maybe like pocket nines or something. So you know, he can yeah, try to, like, bluff well. me off of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think most, like, if this guy doesn't know me, I think he would expect most people to see better 10 on this flop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a lot of uh, good but not great showdown value hands that he can try to run me off of. You see that more often on some more coordinated small boards, like, a, you know, uh, five six three or something like that. That sort of board, if you check back on that board, um, good players often, you know, bomb turn the river. Um, but if this guy's over aggressive, he may even do it on do it on this board. Right. So Carlos, how did you uh, end up playing this flop? So, so I, I bet for all the reasons that that KB mentioned, but I but I do have a question for you guys that KB was kind of getting to. If you're betting here, what size do you choose? Yeah. So I, I, I have, I'm at the point where I see what you have bet. So I I think I would go a little bit bigger, but not much. And it's probably a negligible difference. Like, I'd probably go like 15, 17, 50, something like that. All right. So that's one vote for 17, 50. And uh, Mark, would you bet about that? Yeah, I think this is fine. It's it's definitely less than half pot for sure. Like one-third-ish to this is what do we go one fifth here roughly yeah one fifth to one third i think is good yeah because you yeah. know honestly like when we have the opposite hand like when we have something like queen jack we just want to bet enough to get him to fold you know king nine right like we're we're not really trying to like get somebody to fold a 10 
or whatever. Right. So when we're bluffing, we're going to bet small. So then kind of likewise when we're when we're going for value because we you know, we flop such a beautiful you know trips here, we we shouldn't bet too much because the bet doesn't make sense, right? And there's no hand mm. that should be betting pot on this flop. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And this is me trying to. Uh, because the average player on WSOP is tougher than the average player on Ignition, I'm trying to get out of my natural habitat and try and play more balanced. So I'm trying to mix in some value bets with some of like in a spot where I'm just going to be bluffing with everything. And like and like you said, um, Clayton, I'm trying to make this guy fold the bottom of his range. I'm not trying to make him fold anything he wants to call with. I'm basically betting enough to make the fold option pop up for him. And um I view it as what I'm doing here is I'm purchase. I'm trying to when I'm bluffing in this spot, I'm trying to purchase a fold, and I want to get it for the cheapest price uh, possible. Uh, obviously, you know, um, hashtag Nick Cass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so if I'm going to do that, I also need to make sense some value hands in that sizing when I'm playing against um, a better average opponent. Yeah, so basically we make this bet with trips. We would make the same bet with, like, uh, you know, king-queen or whatever. So uh, Carlos bet the minimum, actually, 1,000, and gets called. So what do we make of the call? I mean, you bet so small that maybe he just calls with two overs, right? Yes, two yeah. overs. Um, honestly... I think he has a lot of ace highs and king highs in his range because those sort of hands have showdown value. If he's good, um, he can't fold a hand like, say, 9-8 of clubs, um, the Uh 10 is a club. He can't fold that hand to this bet, but most good players would elect to check-raise that hand as opposed to call with it. So my bet size forces him to, to continue with a large percentage of his range but when he continues through a call i think it's a lot of showdown value stuff like ace high king high right and it's just too too cheap for him to to fold yet right exactly what do you got mark hey carlos nailed it on the head perfect cool so we bet and get called now with 7500 in the pot and our opponent having about 26k in his stack the turn is the ace of hearts, which is funny because I said he might have ace 10. Now we hmm. really, really hope he does, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so he checks again. Um, you know, feels like a three streets of value type of spot for me. Uh, Derek, do you want to check yet? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, nice thing about this card. Well, so this is one of those cards where it's like either the it's the goat card or the woke card. Like if he has like ace X or, ace, you know, especially ace 10, we're like so stoked. But if he had, if he did call us with something like nines or whatever, I don't think he would have that hand, but I don't know, just something else. Then this gives him the opportunity to get away from this hand now. Um, so I think I would want to bet here now, but I think I would make it an amount where we can still get called by a 10. So I don't want to go too big or anything. I'm just going to go like, I'm going to go like a third pot or something. All right, See, I'm yeah, I'm gonna go bigger because it's such a good card for us to bluff. Uh, so nines in his spot, it's like if someone bets into me here, like with nines, I'm still calling, and like so tough. But yeah, it's just such a good card for Carlos to bluff at. Um, 
So I would go bigger. I'm going to get greedy here, and I'm going to go bigger, and I'm going to try to get it all on the river. Also, the guy has, like, 30 bigs, so I think there's a good chance he gets in dimes pre. Yeah, I agree. Versus the button open. Yeah, I mean, I think we all Actually, yeah, yeah, let's go more sixes. Let's go more sixes. Yeah, nine's a little too strong, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like sixes or something. But I'm betting here, and, like, a big chunk of his range is going to be ace-high floats. Uh... Yeah. I think like the majority of his range is ace high floats to be honest. So how much you want and to I don't think Mark? he's ever folding a ten. I mean I'm gonna over jam the river because I know we can't set up an exact pot size rip on the river. I'm gonna probably go maybe five K, like two thirds, something like that. Okay. Yeah, five K would be exactly two thirds. Um yeah, I mean I think when I'm polarizing myself, like uh, you know, you're really representing a big hand when you bet big, and you're also going to have a lot of bluffs. This is, as Mark mentioned, a great card for us to bluff. So I might bet even more than five here. I might go like like 6,500 into 7,500. I mean, actually, you could probably even overbet. You might be able to get it all. Yeah, yeah, you might be able. You might be able to get it all on the river doing it that way. Yeah, yeah. I think it does set it up a little better, and also, it's just yeah, like. I mean, I don't know if he's really going to be able to cling on for dear life with sixes, but, you know, I would be more optimistic that maybe because we bet so small on the flop, he might have, like, some ace-x that wasn't quite good enough to, like, three-bet pre-flop, but now made a pair, top pair, on the turn. Like, we're going to be able – we want to bet, like, really hoping that he has that ace. And I do think a lot of his flop calling range is some ace-x, like you said, Mark, so – for that and reason. the backdoor hearts too, Clayton. Backdoor hearts is there now, so he's not folding to like. I mean, he's not going to fold the five k. He's not going to fold the six k with the backdoor hearts. I don't think the ten. I, I like he's not folding a ten either to any. Oh. Well, he can't, yeah, he can't, I, yeah, he's not folding the ten. Uh, I'm assuming he's not folding the ten because that wouldn't. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be a good GTO fold. And I, I just try to you know come from that. Uh, point of view when I'm playing against these people as a as a, as opposed to being exploitive. If 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 I'm him and this is an ignition tournament, I would fold a ten to this turn bet. But I don't think he's allowed to fold it in theory if he's playing in a tougher game where people can find bluffs on this card. Yeah, bottom line, folding a ten to uh, even a large turn bet is pretty exploitable. Oh, 100%. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just like if you don't have any calls, if you're folding a 10, you, you, you don't have any bluff catchers. So at that point, and, and like you said, like now the hearts are coming. So, you know, Carlos can have a lot of back doors now. So you know, my 10 could still be good. Yeah, I mean, even if you bet pot, like now I'm starting to talk myself into betting more. Uh, I, I, yeah. yeah, I think that's fine. You just, you, as long you can get it all with this sizing or higher. I mean, you don't want to go like, you don't want to go 10k or anything, but no, that's too much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think this sizing is good now okay. that I see it. Well, what's fun is I don't know <laughs> what sizing Carlos used, but it turns out I just clicked it, and now he's he's putting in 49.50. So whoever said uh, 5k, I'm sorry, but you were off by 50. So <laughs> keep working on it. Uh, no, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so he goes two-thirds here, minus 50. And uh, let's see, the uh, big blind decides to call that. So now we are set up for a river shove, but it would be a slight overbet. There's 17-4 in the pot, and the big blind 
still has 21k uh, in his stack. So it's it's not a ridiculous shove on the end, but we do tend to want to keep our river shoves to less than the pot, which kind of seems to argue for a slightly bigger bet on 4th Street, right? I agree with that. When you said um, 65, I really like that number um, because that gets us closer to a pot size bet on the river. Okay. So now that river, as though Carlos were not comfortable enough, <laughs> the river is actually the six of spades. Remember, we have the six five of diamonds. So the final board is ten five five ace six. So we have a full house, although not a particularly strong one, as full houses go. And our opponent checks once more. So do we pull the trigger on the full stack, or do we try to just you know squeeze a little more value? Out of a 10, like, I don't know. Uh, Derek, what are your thoughts? You go first. I think I would have uh, done something different, but after hearing you and Mark talk more about the turn, I think you you guys are right that, like, A-side floats are probably his most likely holding. And I don't know if he's going to – I mean, obviously I don't know a lot of this villain, but I think he's calling an ace uh, against, you know, button versus big blind. So I think I'm just going to go for it all here. I don't think he's holding. Yeah, and to be clear, I, I agree with you, Derek. I don't think he's folding an ace. But to be clear, I don't think that most of his range is necessarily, you know, ace high floats when he calls on the flop. But I definitely think that those hands are part of that range for sure. Sure, sure. So there's some chance that we're up against an ace here. And since we're unlikely to get much value from you know, weaker hands than that, much weaker hands than that, we might as well just be optimistic and, and hope that yeah. he's got what we want him to have, right? What do you think, Mark? Well, ace ten, like so for turn, ace ten and backdoor hearts are all calling. That's a huge chunk of his range, obviously combined. Ace X, yeah, like I mean, pretty clear to me that I'm gonna jam. Um, I think it's a tough, I think it's a tough full with a ten. If this guy thinks Carlos is good, it's like such a good spot to triple off. Um, just put massive pressure on him. Um, so yeah, I would just over jam now comparing it to what you could do um i think 6k looks really strong of a bet like where like i'd be tempted to fold an ace mm-hmm. in his shoes so i think i'd want to look the most bluffy if i'm in carlos's spot and uh i think shove does that yeah some some players will fold to a smaller bet if it looks too suspiciously strong and they might be more likely to call that shove uh, so yeah, that's that's an interesting especially point. stronger players like fishier players will just pay yes. it off, but just because we have an unknown, um, I'm just gonna try to get it all and be a little greedy. I, I like I guess if you bet nine k, I just I think I think shoving I think nine k is the same as shoving almost. Mm, yeah. Maybe not, but it's close. I mean, certainly in a cash game, I'm all in, but I do think that sometimes in tournaments, just accumulating. I mean, Carlos is already doing great in this tournament. He's got his whole table covered, by the way, um, at this point in the tournament. And, um, yeah, I'm assuming that means that he's, like, you know, got a a stack that's probably in the top 10%-ish of the whole field at that point. So he's not necessarily, like, looking to, oh, I need to try to keep up. He's already more than keeping up, no matter what. Now, let's look before Carlos tells us what he did. Let's look at what his bluffs might be. So if we shove here with, you know, basically the nuts, right, um, we also need to shove with 
some bluffs. And to me, uh, most of my bluffs are going to be like the queen jack, king jack, especially like if I have a heart or even two hearts, um, where the back door came in on the turn and gave me like a, a, a combo draw. But now this six is a total brick. But I still need to represent a really strong hand. Like I have a nuts advantage when that ace comes because I'm I'm allowed to have pocket aces and this guy's not. You know, well, what if you have like king four here or king three or king deuce? Like, are you just giving up here? I'm, I'm not sure how much of my king deuce I'm going to continue. You're continuing on the turn if you bet the flop. You do have to continue sure. on the turn, but yeah, like, do you want to keep it going on the river? I, I don't know. I mean, what's I the difference, right? What's the difference? We, it, it doesn't matter what we have. We're bluffing. So, yeah, maybe maybe we have a lot of bluffs here. You nailed it, Clayton. We have a lot of bluffs here. We have a lot of potential bluffs here. And for that reason, it does matter. Because if you use them all, now you're over bluffing. And the way you differ, differentiate is choose the bluffs that block his bluff catchers uh, or unblock his um, snap folds. So like like on this on the on the turn, it's great to have two hearts in your hand, but that's not so great on the river because now he he's less likely to have two hearts in his hand. So he's a little bit more likely to call you. So I don't think I would bluff the river with hearts. Uh, so the way I kind of approach these spots is I think about what hand do I really want him not to have? Obviously, that's an ace. I'm not really worried about ace-king, ace-queen, because he doesn't have those in his range. He's raising those pre. So I, I I don't know if this, like I haven't checked this in the solver, but generally in my studies, um, solvers do kind of like think along this path. Uh, I kind of want to block the aces that he wouldn't raise with pre. So like like a hand that contains a four or a seven, like like I think those are great bluffs here. Like something like something like pocket fours without a heart, or pocket sevens without yeah. a heart, because they they yeah. block him from having a five, um, because he's less likely to have five, four, six. Or uh, well, I guess the seven doesn't matter so much about the the five. So I guess. Pocket fours is great. Pocket fours without a a heart because he's less likely to have five four and he's less likely to have ace four, which is one of the aces that he wouldn't raise pre. So I think that's what you want to do in this spot is uh, um, bluff with hands that block his calls, but they don't block his folds. Yeah. Now, can you guys tell Carlos has been studying? I mean, this guy, <laughs> he came up from the $2 tournaments, and now he's talking about the game in a very intelligent, high-level way. Like, that's it. That's it right there. You don't want to have too many bluffs. You have so many potential bluffs. If you use them all, you're just over-bluffing, and that's extremely exploitable. Just call. He's bluffing way too much, so call. <laughs> right? Exactly. He, he talks about hands a lot differently now than he did from the trunk of the car <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so Carlos, how did you play this river? Uh, I agree with you guys. This is, at least in theory, this is a jam. And because I've been, like, you know, studying theory stuff, I went with it here. If you know something about this player, 
um, that kind of leads you to choose a different size exportably. I think that's probably better. But but because this guy was an unknown to me and I'm in, you know, a almost a thousand dollar buy in on WSOP, I'm just going to give this guy uh, more credit than the average unknown I'm used to playing against. So I'm going to I'm going to try to stick to GTO here. So I, I stuck it in. Yeah, so you stuck it in, and what you know, just to clarify what you're saying here, uh, if if you think this guy's a good player, then shoving is better because good players are able to make those thin calls, and they don't just get scared because somebody went all in, right? He's capable of bluff catching you, or attempting to bluff catching you, not of course realizing that you have so much of a hand, right? So, but against uh, a weaker opponent. They're just going to fold to – they're not going to think in terms of what, what your bluffs might be or, or how likely it is that you're bluffing. They're just going to see, I don't want to put all my chips in. I only have – I mean, a really weak player would be like, I, I just have an ace. I don't want to call all the way down with an ace. I mean, against a weak player, I'd bet like one-third there and just get paid off by like pocket sixes or random – probably doesn't have pocket sixes, but like I'd probably just get paid off by a random ten and be so happy about it. Yeah, for sure. And then just looking at the field in general, and since we don't really know much about this particular opponent, just assume that he plays in line with most of the field, which is at a fairly high level, you know, and like you say, a, a higher stakes online uh, event. So, yeah, I like shoving. Uh, Derek, your thoughts? Yeah, I like the shove. I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing that. Like I think Carlos said it best. If I had some information on this opponent that led me to believe that you know he just wasn't going to call off on that spot, then I might do do something differently. But uh, against a random player in this field, I think going all in is good. Yeah. Now in villain shoes, are we really supposed to pay off with a ten? Um, that's... <laughs> Carlos has been spazzing. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Carlos is a wild a... man. So I mean, if he has, like, it's a really tough call with a ten. It's but a... like a yeah, it's a really tough call with an ace too. Yeah, I think he's kind of he kind of want to think in the same uh, manner, in that he wants to call with hands that block my value but don't block my bluffs. Um, so I think he may have enough aces to call with that he doesn't need to dip down into the tens. But it's just going to be a math problem. And honestly, because I'm jamming. Um, he needs to call less often to keep me honest. So the aces are probably enough. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Yeah, hundred percent. Go ahead, finish. Sorry. I, no, no, that, that that's all I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I think I like think if he is, has if he has ace x, no Broadway, no heart. Like I'm beating you into the pot because like you're gonna barrel all your Broadways too and all your hearts. So if you if, if in his shoes, if I don't have any of that. I'm like beating. I'm literally my chips are going to be in before yours are, and you get them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, I love when I snap call and I'm wrong. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best feeling in poker. It's like, gotcha. Oh wait, you got me. Oh, okay, good game, good game. <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that hand and your uh, insights in it. So if you want to think like a bracelet winner. You know, rewind this and listen to that knowledge about blockers that Carlos just uh, dropped on us because, uh, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in those words. And it's clear to me that your game has come 
Yeah, as Derek said, a long way since the trunk, <laughs> since the hatchback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Carlos, tell us what you're working on these days. Um, you know, where where can people find you? Uh, what are you up to? You you looking for students? What's happening? Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll be looking for students when this um, bracelet um, event um, series ends in about two weeks. Right now, you know, I don't have as much time. But starting August, September, rest of the year, I'll definitely be um, looking to take on more students. Um, but if you're looking for me on a daily basis, I'm generally on Twitter, nonstop, all day, every day. Um, I also have uh, a podcast with TPE host um, Andrew Brokus and Nate Mavis called Thinking Poker Daily, where we do um, strategy hands. It's all strategy um from subscribers they submit hands and we talk about it every day of the week monday through friday um so i'm sure we can get you guys a link to that um earlier i mentioned the hand history review i did for andrew brokers called exploiting small stakes tournaments and also the classroom style um, um product that i did with alex fitzgerald called How to Obliterate Passive Tournaments. So that's what I've been up to over the past couple of months. Well, it sounds like you're keeping pretty darn busy. And he didn't mention this, but his Twitter handle is HipHop101Trivia. HipHop101Trivia. And uh, he is a great follow. Always humble. You know, always funny. Um, Derek, tell us what's going on with uh, my favorite website, TournamentPokerEdge.com. Um, there's only one thing people need to check out over at Tournament Poker Edge, and that's the photo of Carlos <laughs> in the pool. <laughs> With his flotation no, but... device securely tied around his chest, yes. It's a great photo. Um, I definitely do uh, encourage people to go check that thread out, though. It is, um... Uh, in the forums, and that's you don't have to be a member even. So if you're, you know, if you're listening and you just want, you're like, oh, this sounds like a great thread. I just want to go read it. Um, but I'm not a member. Damn it. Um, you can still go check it out. Uh, so get over there and check that out. Um, as soon as you can. The um hand reading uh series from Daryl Jace just finished up. Uh, part six of that just came out, and there is a series running from Colin Moshman and the uh, aforementioned Andrew Brokus. So. Lots of good vids up there for people to check out. You know, Derek, I have to say, I mean, I know, I know you're the boss around here and everything, but you're really missing a huge profitability opportunity by not putting a paywall in front of that photograph. <laughs> <laughs> we should, we should, it should cost an extra fifty bucks to see Carlos in his swimmies. I co-sign. I co-sign that idea, Clayton. Good point. We'll save, we'll save it for his OnlyFans. Okay, hey, yeah. Let's make it an NFT. Make that shit an NFT. One of one. One of one. Let me say this before we wrap up, guys. Like once again, thank you, thank you, thank you, TPE. All the members that helped me out along way along the way, all the pros, all the owners, just uh, I know that nobody has this level of success on their own. So I know I'll never forget that you know I stand on the shoulders of giants and Mark. So <laughs> and Mark, he had that one. Dude, he scripted that. Goddamn that was it. so scripted. <laughs> that is amazing. Hey, we love you, man. Like, yeah, the story you said, like, honestly, I was, I almost, you, it was, 
it meant a lot what you said earlier about us about coming to Vegas. I uh, truly mean that. So, um, I mean, you already know I'm happy for you, but even more happy now. Yeah, we're happy for yeah. you. We're proud of you. Mark, is there anything you wanted to say on the podcast? Because, that, that, you know, we don't get you on very often. Is there anything that you didn't get to that you wanted to tell people? No, after a shit year with the pandemic, dealing with that, it was nice uh, to see someone uh, cool success story. So, yeah, no, I couldn't be happier with everything. And it's all because of Carlos. It's super sick. I'm super proud of you, man. And uh, Mark said this earlier, and I I have a text from him to prove it because he texted me and (laughs) said, man, other than me. I can't think of anybody I would rather see win a bracelet, and I still have the text if anybody doubts it's true. So, um, and I, you know, I definitely agreed with them. So proud of you, man. And uh, let's celebrate when we get to Vegas. Definitely, um, man. Fat burger shakes with everybody. <laughs> Fat oh burger God, shakes. <laughs> Fat burgers <laughs> all around. <laughs> so for uh, for Derek Tenbush, for Mark Aliotto, and of course for bracelet winner Carlos Welch, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening.